Welcome, everybody, to 2024. My new slogan for 2024 is we can do better. Uh, we can do, and I mean that globally in all respects. We can do better, everybody. Uh, speaking of doing better, we are very privileged to be joined today by Jeffrey Tucker, founder and president of the Brownstone Institute, also senior economic columnist for Epic Times, author of 10 books, including Liberty or Lockdown, and thousands of articles in scholarly and popular press. Uh, he speaks widely on a variety of topics. You can follow him on X at uh, Jeffrey Tucker, uh, G-E-F-F-R-E-Y, Tucker, T-U-C-K-E-R, and also brownstone.org. What's that? J, uh, not G. Jeffrey, what did I say? G? Did I say G? I beg your pardon. J-E-F-F. J-E-F-F-R-E-Y. That's uh, in French, the G and the J are are flipped. And I've been listening to a lot of French lately. It must be the thing. It's, uh, G, G, H I G G is the J and J. Oh, anyway, whatever. It's, it's, whatever. Uh, let's get right to it after this break. Our laws, as it pertains to substances, are draconian and bizarre. The psychopaths start this way. He was an alcoholic because of social media and pornography, PTSD, love addiction, fentanyl and heroin. Ridiculous. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a doctor for <laughs> sake. Where the hell you think I learned that? I'm just saying, you go to treatment before you kill people. I am a clinician. I observe things about these chemicals. Let's just deal with what's real. And we used to get these calls on Loveline all the time. Educate adolescents and to prevent and to treat. If you have trouble, you can't stop and you want to help stop it. I can help. I got a lot to say. I got a lot more to say. Well, most of my career, I've been urging people to kick habits, change habits. Well, this time, I'd like to suggest getting into the habit of adding Paleo Valley grass-fed bone broth protein to your daily nutrition regimen. Here's CEO Autumn Smith. It's made from cows with 100% grass-fed and finished, and bones. They're bones. Rather than the hide, most bone broth or collagen powders are made from hides or hooves, but ours is actually made from the bone because it'll contain additional nutrients. Bone broth is a way to bring back those nutrients, those minerals, and there's glucosaminoglycans, and then there's collagen, which helps us prevent wrinkles and joint pain and actually heals our gut. There's, there's gelatin and there's just all of these ingredients that the modern diet has kind of left by the wayside. Susan and I have been mixing the chocolate-favored bone broth literally into our coffee every morning for months, and we've noticed a difference in our energy, appearance of our hair, skin, nails. Susan's particularly very happy with this. The bioavailable protein also helps us feel satiated. That's the part I'm happy with. Paleo Valley bone broth also comes in vanilla and pure, unflavored, and can easily be added to your coffee, smoothies, yogurt. Go to drdrew.com slash paleo, P-A-L-E-O, for 15% off your first order. Again, that is drdrew.com slash paleo. And as I said, Jeffrey A. Tucker is the founder and president of the Brownstone Institute. Um, he has written a, an article there warning that placing too much trust in data, particularly polling data and surveys, uh, could create some problems. And if we've learned nothing else during COVID is that data and models can be terribly misleading. Uh, we've become uh, preoccupied with them. I think part of the issue is around things like uh, economic modeling and climate modeling and now infectious disease modeling. And uh, I'm here to tell you, biological modeling is not a great, uh, not, does not have a great track record. Again, he is at brownstone.org and on X at Jeffrey Tucker. Uh, reminder, coming up tomorrow, Brian Kilmeade joins us. I think Jim Brewer had to reschedule on Thursday. Roseanne coming up next week, Dr. Paul Alexander. 
So we'll give you updated uh, schedule soon enough. But right now, let's welcome uh, Jeff Tucker back to the program. Jeffrey, thank you so much for being here. Well, it's good to be here. Thank you. And you can you can call me Joffrey it, if you want. I, mean, I like that with the G. Joffrey, Jeff, Joffrey, Jeff. It's it's <laughs> see in French is A B C D E H H E G. Wait a minute, H E G is J and A B C D F G. Whatever. I I I I can do better. That's the point. I can do better. That's the cry for twenty twenty four. We 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 can do better, everybody. So can I. Uh, so talk to us a little bit about that that article and data. It caught my eye because. Yeah. Uh, for no other reason than uh, for me, I've been noticing that data is being used to support any argument you like. Uh, and that is not how data was meant. Uh, that's not what data is supposed to be doing. Uh, one wouldn't think so. You know, your little introduction here reminds me that one of the things that flipped the Trump administration over to the lockdown side of things, because Trump had been personally been resisting this based on you know, a common sense understanding of infectious disease. You know, they come, they go, mm -hmm. people die. Uh, unhealthy people get a get a bug. They, you know, but, but uh, yeah, but he, he was sending out on March 9th, 2020, tweets like, well, look, 70,000 people die from the flu. You know, what, why is everybody, yeah. you know, getting out, bent, bent out of shape here? Um, two days later, he flipped on the other side. And part of the reason was that he was presented with these data models by fancy scientists, uh, Neil Ferguson in particular in the UK, that said, look, 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 here's our model. Here's, look at my chart. Look, all these people are going to die. But if you lock down, they won't. So, you know, he was put in a position, position of having been, you know, sort of pressured to trust the great data scientists over his gut instincts. And then, you know, look where that got us as a country. So I've been a little suspicious because, you know, as you know, I've been involved in this COVID situation now for a very long time. Brownstone was founded in response to it. And, uh, and throughout the whole period, we've seen st strange data manipulations going on. You see a startling yes. conclusion. And then you're like, yes. Does that, well, that makes sense. And then you look at it carefully and you spot the problems or you have to get a specialist you know to spot the problems and then and then you see a long list like one of the common things in covid was that you weren't considered none of the people that were comparing the vaccinated and unvaccinated were con considering people vaccinated until two weeks after the shot okay that's going to change your your conclusions about infections about deaths about lots of things um so we've been living with this but it also spills over into two other areas and that's what I wrote my article uh, that appeared this morning on, um, and, it, and it, it was based on a, a very startling piece in the Wall Street Journal by Josh Zumbrun, I think is his name. And he's the guy whose job it is to write about data. And he's just started off the new year with a column that kind of explains two areas in particular. Um, uh, it starts off with the opinion polls. Uh, it turns out, that 20 years ago, opinion polls were genuine random samples of the population. They would just call people on the phone. People pick up the phone. They get flattered to get a phone call. Oh, sure, I'll talk to a pollster, no problem. Well, 90% of the polls 20 years ago were conducted this way. Guess what? These days, people will not pick up the phone. They just, or if they do, they think it's a spam call and they just get outraged. They don't want to share their opinions with anybody. So the pollsters have given up on this, which I didn't entirely know 
until I read this column. Now only uh, somebody like just a handful of pollsters even try this anymore. All the rest, um, 90% actually, use uh, these focus groups. So they, they find groups that uh, they consider to be the cooperative people that they can trust, and they pull them again and again and again on their attitudes and follow uh, changes and swings and use a normal distribution to extract that and then uh, extrapolate that to the general population and then announce it as a poll. Well, mm. is it? We don't really know. Mm. I mean, we've been following all the ups and downs of of um, polling now on on this this race, but we have no hard evidence of truly anything yet, and we won't for a while. And yet, we think mm. we know who's up and who's down. I mean, I've been and which it's a grave cause for manipulation. Like it was just what like several weeks ago. Suddenly, the national press was all over Nikki Haley. Oh, she's great. She's great. But do you know anybody? I mean, I don't. Who suddenly said, "Hey, I really like Nikki Haley." I mean. Where, where did that even come from? I mean, what's it based on? Right. I mean, do we even know this for sure? So, and 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 lots of my friends, especially in the economics world, say, "Oh, don't trust the polls. You just trust the betting odds." Well, what? And maybe they are more. I trustful. hear that too. Maybe they're more I hear trustworthy. That also. But you have to ask yourself, what are they based on? I mean, <laughs> those in turn are based on perceptions of the polls. In other words, you have to make judgments on something. And, and the yeah. question is, is is any of what we think we know even valid? And he also raises the point that it's true also for things like polls about the national mood. You know, we rely on these things. Are the American people satisfied or are they not satisfied? Are they happy? Are they optimistic? Are they What are they scared of? What are the issues that motivate them? We read all these things, right? We people in the mm. opinion industry or the knowledge workers, as they call us, care about this stuff. Mm. Well, what is knowledge workers? That's a, that's a new. I think sex worker has a I, higher higher I, uh, appeal I, than knowledge I, worker. I, I probably got that from the New York Times. And my my apologies. Uh, that's a pathetic. That's a pathetic phrase. Uh, it's all over the New York Times this morning. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, people like us, we care about this stuff. Well, what if uh, there's really no basis for any of these things? You know, and we're really at sea. Mm. That may be true. So the second part of Zarco gets into the economic data. Now, this is what interested me in particular, because I have noticed, as you probably have over the last, say, I'm going to say year and a half, that there have been some strange anomalies in all of the reporting data on economics. And I'm talking about factory orders on CPI, GDP, all the things that require a vast collection apparatus um, that mm -hmm. for one thing, the press releases that the bureaus are coming out with are contradicted by the particulars of the data itself. And so I scramble every time with the jobs reports coming out. And I've noticed they say, oh, look, there's 350,000 new jobs. Do you look at it and see the multiple job holders, you know, and, and people who mm -hmm. have not just a full-time job but an additional part-time job or the people who have lost full-time jobs and taken up two part-time jobs. And it gets a lot murkier. It turns out we have more multiple job holders now than ever before on record, you know, ever before, mm. at least according to the data. Mm. And, a, and, and, and labor participation is lower uh, than before the pandemic. So it's really dropped uh, dramatically. So you com combine those two charts, which I, I think I did at some point, and it's actually alarming. So uh, uh, a, lot of the, the, a lot of what's going on here is double counting. And 
it's been fun, not fun, amusing, scary to compare. Mm. Also, there's two surveys that are involved in the jobs reports. One is a household survey and the other is an institutional sort of uh, business survey. And and they're they're diverged. I mean, to the point you can't actually make sense of the trend in, in either one. They they seem to be incompatible. How can they can't both be true? Well, mm. what this Zumbrin column does is he explains that a lot of this data comes from surveys that these agencies themselves are collecting from willing from people willing to give the answers. And it turns out that far fewer people are willing to give the answers, give answers to the pollsters, to government agencies than they, they ever have before. And he gives, he gives examples like the consumer price index for, for, for housing is drawn from population surveys. And uh, the response rate, uh, whereas it was in 2014, 71%, now it's down to 58%. Mm. Uh, in mm. commodities and service, services for the, CP, for the CPI, um, and this doesn't include all the other weird things that are going on with strange surcharges and shrinkflation, none of which can really be captured in the CPI. But just the re response rate to the surveys themselves are down from 2014 of 67%. Now they're down to uh, to 54%. It's true with employment costs, current expenditures, current employment, job openings. I mean, that used to be... Yeah, get this. It used to be in 2014, 65% participation rate. Now it's down to mm -hmm. 32%. So we don't even know how many jobs are available, you know? Uh, and well, and, and it's, it's unsurprised me because whenever I discuss yeah. this topic with people, without exception, people say, I'm, I will never answer those questions. I would never. I mean, who knows what they're going to do with it? And they, I could get yeah. in trouble, which is an odd thing in this country. I've never yeah. seen anything like that before. This sort of paranoia yeah. that somehow, you know, their 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 belief system or their, somehow their experience is going to be used against them. That That's the state we're in. That It doesn't surprise me that right. it's so dropped like this. Right, so businesses don't even, so if the Department of Labor calls up, you know, whatever, the grocery store across the street and says, how many jobs you got open? They're going to be like, uh, we're too busy right now. Hang up, right? So yeah. if they're not answering yeah. properly, then, you know, what are you going to do? And I noticed um, uh, last year, at some point, I was looking at some jobs numbers on from the Federal Reserve uh, Bank of, uh, of, of St. Louis. And they were... Mm. They were pretty interesting. I thought, well, these are strange little jobs numbers. They don't come from the Department of Labor. Well, it turns out they came from Indeed. Hmm. Okay. Now, That's crazy. Right. Now, if you know anything about Indeed, which anybody who's used Indeed knows for sure that, uh, that, that <laughs> job applicants are gamed. Uh, I had a job at the Brownstone Institute, Naive Me. I went on and put it, put it on Indeed. I got about 3,000 applications. And for one job, and I, digging through mm. them, and now this was about, I'm going to say a year ago, digging through them, I realized none of these things were quite a good fit, and I couldn't understand why they applied. Mm. But it turned out people were um, applying for jobs just to, uh, to re-qualify for unemployment benefits. And part of Oh, their, interesting. Yeah, That's yeah, and crazy. Their, yeah, and so part of... Um, wow. Part of 
containing those benefits is that you have to show you've you've applied for jobs. So people wake up in the morning. Everybody games every system you set up, right? So people wake up in the morning and 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 look at you know stupid vulnerable people like me and send me an application, then check that box, and then they continue to get their unemployment bill. So I knew for sure these indeed numbers were ridiculous. So why is the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis using them as valid data? So it's mm. it's not quite right. And no, not um, at all. No, and then it also impacts on things like the GDP. Okay, so GDP, mm. I tell you, Dr. Drew, I am, I'm thinking some scary thoughts about this GDP number these days uh, because we use this number to, des- to describe not just if the economy is growing or shrinking, are we in recovery, are we in re- recession, are we good times or bad? Will we even use GDP numbers around the world to rank, you know, how advanced the civilization is, right? So, right, right. So, oh, the U.S., we're really advanced. Mexico, that's a terrible place. Well, you go to Mexico, it seems like everybody's happy. Things are going great. You get all, everything you want. I mean, what, it's, you know, mm-hmm. what, how, how, how is that a developed or underdeveloped or third world country or developing country, whatever you want to call it these days, whereas the U.S. is considered first world and rich and fabulous? Well, it's the GDP numbers. Well, you know, I've really begun to suspect that maybe this isn't the right number we should be using as a, a definition or a summing up of the quality of our life. Um, for one thing, mm-hmm. national income uh, accounting statistics were invented in the 1930s. They weren't used in the 1910s, that's like the 1880s or the 1810s to say nothing of 1650. Mm-hmm. They don't, you know, there's they don't descend from the clouds, they have to be collected. And then they have to be assembled. Right. And there has to be a formula. And that formula of GDP is weird. It has always included government spending as productivity. So oh if government <laughs> spends more and more money, that's by definition proof of a growing and productive economy. Now, I that makes no theoretical sense. Maybe if you're living in a weird world of 1934 and you believe all the nonsense from from fascism and socialism floating around, you're going to believe that. Mm-hmm. But nobody believes that now. And yet... That's still going on. I'll tell you another thing. The GDP counts imports as subtracting for the GDP, whereas exports add to it. Now, Mm. you could maybe justify that in the old days when there were these uh, flows of goods and and dollars back and forth when it was all based on gold. So, So you'd have to ship gold out and bring gold in, and you could have a mercantilist sort of view, like, well, the more gold we have, the richer we are. The less Mm -hmm. gold we have, the poorer we are. Well, since since 1971, that hasn't been an issue. And yet, the GDP calculation hasn't changed. It's still the case. If you import something, then that's a national loss. If you export something, that's a national gain. So all that is true in the GDP. But beyond that, and those are just numbers that you can maybe verify, like how much is government spending? How much are imports? How much are exports? Because they have to go through customs. So you can kind of, that's sort of objective. But what about things like factory orders or, you know, how many widgets you've made yesterday or how many jobs are created? These are much more elusive and the subject to the exigencies of reporting. So if the reporting is not uh, right. If you've got very few people, like a third of people that the government calls asking for reports on this stuff to just hang up the phone, how do we even know this? And you add to that the theoretical problems of GDP and the sheer size and vastness. How do we know that it's even accurate at all? I mean, we don't, we don't actually know. 
I mean, my intuition is that since March 2020, we've been in a constant state of recession and that we haven't actually gotten out of it. We're not going to go to a soft landing because we've never really taken off. That's my sort of intuition from just looking around and mm -hmm. looking at debt levels yeah. and savings and real income and, and things that are more or less subjective. It, it doesn't seem like a healthy environment. And yet the GDP, GDP comes out and they're like, oh, look, annualized in real terms, we're up 4% for the year. Like, really? Is that really true? Yeah, it doesn't feel, it's hard it to believe, right? Feel. Yeah. And and so based it, on this Zumber and column, I've, I concluded my article on this by saying, on one hand, this is catastrophic. If what he's saying is correct, it's catastrophic. Namely, that we know far less than we think we know. On the other hand, mm -hmm. maybe it's comforting that our intuitions <laughs> may be more valid than we know. They may be actually just as valid or more valid than all the data we're getting uh, from all the sources that are surrounding us. That's interesting. At University of Chicago is the economic school that's most associated with quant, right? With the with yeah. quantification of everything. Have they come in recently with any change in their attitude or, or new models well, or there's anything? A lot of there's a lot of alternative statistics out there, but a lot of the alternative statistics are based on rearranging the existing statistics. So if you can't collect right. these things, um, you know, you're kind of at a loss. Right. Um, and and right. it's particularly so, true so for I'll, inflation. To inflation, you know, we, we want to oh. know what is the inflation rate. But, I mean, if you've been to a restaurant lately you, and you look yeah. at your bill, yeah. it's like always larger than the math in your head. And yes, yes. You know, and you're like, wait, I'm pretty sure I spent $30. Why is my bill $85? Um, yeah. Well, for, for one thing, restaurants figured out um, two years ago that, <laughs> this won't surprise you, that if you can get people to drink, they're far more willing to spend money. And so they charge more right. for the drinks. And so when the bill comes, you're like, oh, whatever, you know, you're going to pay the bill. So yeah. there's that. There's huge drink inflation actually on site. Cocktails didn't used to cost twenty dollars, by the way. You know, um, right. but apart from that, now you see all these other charges: uh, special service mm -hmm. charge, large large group charges. I saw uh, floating around on the internet uh, this morning: uh, music charges and you know all sorts music of you know, cook charge. charge, music charges where they're playing <laughs> music, charging for the music. So all these other things. Now, are those captured by the CPI? I don't think so. And then last month, mm -hmm. I did a deep dive into the whole question of shrinkflation because, you know, I mean, we go to stores now. I mean, it's, it's become almost laughable, you know, a huge bag of chips with this much in the bottom. Or my favorite example yeah. is, the, I don't know if you've noticed this, but one of my favorite holiday treats is a cheese ball. And, and, and I, okay. guess, I guess, you know, <laughs> people in the future will think a cheese ball is the size of a golf ball. I can promise you... <laughs> The cheese ball used to be the size of a softball. <laughs> no more. Yeah, cheese that's right. Tiny at the store. Yeah, that's right. They used to be things you cut with a knife, right? Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> now you have to. Yeah. Eat Those are more. disgusting <laughs> too. <laughs> but how dare you take aim at Jeffrey's preferences? <laughs> I love cheese balls. You're, you're some sort of ch cheese I guess you elitist. Get used to them. You're a ball elitist. Oh, I had cheese balls when I was a kid. <laughs> so. Well, cheese balls are just—I <clears throat> just associate them with uh, holidays, and you know, without a cheese ball, it's not really the holiday. So we're all product of well, our history. You have to come up with your own Susan's balls just to make—they're sure. really cheddary, right? Yes, they're very oh, cheddary. Yeah, really cheddar. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, the point is, shrinkflation so, is not really captured by by the Department of Labor. Um, yeah, yeah, not at all. Well, yeah, 
Yeah, right. It's and how I used inflation to think has that its the weird... Department of Labor sent people out to the stores, you know, writing things down. Oh, how much? How yeah. much is that Snickers bar? No. They don't do that anymore. Now it's all just digital and and phone calls and and reporting and that sort of thing. Of so, you know, I just don't know. Um, so one wonders about. I, it seems to me the inflation is a lot higher. I mean, it's certainly not conquered. Uh, right. Uh, like the, and the Federal Reserve is already well, talking I, I, about I've, lowering rates to you know because oh we've beat inflation so now we can go back to lower right. rates. Well, how, how odd is it that the rhetoric around inflation is? Why is it? Why aren't these businesses lowering their prices? Uh, wait a minute, we we don't have deflation; we have reduced inflation. Uh, it's just the most insane <laughs> stuff I hear. And I don't. Uh, do they really mean that, or is that just some weird rhetoric? There's some political nonsense that they use to sort of rally the troops. Isn't it this the strangest thing? Uh, I yes. don't know if it's, if it's statistical ignorance or even basic math ignorance on the part of the public, or maybe uh, the Biden administration. Oh my goodness! Thinks, well, idiots or what? But no, I mean, uh, uh, a lower rate of inflation does not mean following falling prices, right? In my, in my, oh my in but my, they they keep talking about that though as though it does. I I can't. I it just shocks me when I hear that. The other thing is, I I remember. Six years ago or so, always a lot of talk about well, this many people have fallen out of the labor force and have not and have, are not even looking for jobs anymore. Yeah, I never hear that number anymore. Never hear about That's it. Right. That was That's the, right. a major focus for about five years. Yeah, and we've got lower uh, uh, labor participation uh, than we've ever had since World War II. I mean, that's and it has not recovered since the pandemic. It's pandemic since the pandemic mm -hmm. response since the lockdowns it has not recovered yet mm -hmm. uh people just demoralized mm -hmm. they're just left the work they can't figure their way back in one one piece of data i would like to see that i've yet to see is how many uh professional women with school age with young children uh that used to work full-time that dropped out oh, completely no. yeah. because they could not find yeah. uh because the daycares were all shut and and so they were staying. They suddenly became stay-at-home moms, and they couldn't. They couldn't get care for their kids. And they still can't. I, I heard that story. I heard that story a lot. I heard. I you heard did. that repeatedly. Yeah, yep. you've heard I that story. Now, now, I, I know many yeah. cases myself, but I have yet to see uh, any data on it. And I know for sure that uh, women's, in general, labor participation has not recovered to the extent that men's have. But I have not seen the data broken down by, by women with uh, school age, uh, young school-age kids. I mean, that would be fascinating mm -hmm. to me. And if it's true, yep. which I assume it is true, that the lockdowns, the pandemic response, policy response to the pandemic, actually took us back to say 1985 levels of women with children participating in the workforce, wouldn't you think yep. that that would be sort of big news and that there would be a yep. lobby out there that would say, this was a bad idea, uh, look what it's done to women's participation in the professional life? Wouldn't you think we'd be talking, at least talking about that? But I've not even seen that data yet. You're not you're not allowed to, with any great degree of freedom, uh, say out loud that lockdowns were a failure or that there might be some issues with the vaccine. And these are things that if you if you say out loud, or that masks, you know, surgical masks have never been shown to have any utility whatsoever. I, I but you say that and people go nuts. 
Isn't it crazy? We're still we're yes, still it's not crazy. really having a serious debate outside very small yes. circles. Your show is one. Brownstone is right. dedicated to this entirely. There's a handful of children's health defense and so on. But generally, in the public culture, we're supposed to just move on as if it's all just fantastic. And by the way, this isn't just on the left. This is on the right, too. I mean, we've seen this on, on mm-hmm. both sides. Just yesterday, yep. the National Review... Uh, was was celebrating the uh, the Trump um, uh, response, not just for the vaccine, but for mm. the ventilators and for the PPE mm. he ordered from China. And they were going, "Oh, he did a great job on the pandemic response." So it's it's on all sides. Everybody got yeah. invested yeah. in the in the COVID response, even though it wrecked the country, even though everybody's still demoralized, nothing is back to normal on any area, whether it's education or health or economics, you name it, it's all just been shattered. We still cannot have a serious discussion uh, about whether any of it was a good idea, how it happened, you know, who was behind it, who or what divided the workforce between essential and unessential, I would like to know. Who gave the order and why to shut down all the hospitals in the country for everything effectively except except covid even canceling uh diagnostics and and mm-hmm. uh, uh elective surgeries i mean canceled them all so they became all over the country ghost town who gave that edict i i still can't find that out i mean i assume it's somebody at hhs but who was responsible for making that decision and why did they think that was wise and shouldn't we have some accountability for this well forget accountability I would just like some open public discussion of it rather than this weird silent yeah. treatment. Yeah. Y- yes, I, I personally don't need accountability. I, I really don't want anyone to be hard. It's bad. We're in bad enough shape. We don't need to go around taking. Look, the guillotines are always a bad idea. If every, every, yeah. guillotines start to spread and other, you know, it's, it's just a terrible idea. We just need to take yeah. a look at this thing and see what we got wrong. My suspicion yeah. is it's. Burks, uh, you read her book. I didn't read the book. I don't yeah. know if it come. It was yeah. in any way alluded to yeah. there. But she, whenever I've, you and I had this conversation last time, I'm going to say it again: physicians that become evangelical on a topic do harm. That's it. Uh-huh. Period. That's that's a that's a universal uh-huh. rule. And she was evangelizing uh-huh. about lockdowns all over the country, and so uh, yeah. the potential for harm was out of control right there. Yeah, for a better part of a year. Uh, Dr. Drew, I'm very curious what you think about this. You know, her thesis of the book was that SARS-CoV-2 was not a normal respiratory infection, so it required a completely different response, one much closer to the AID, an AIDS-style response, right, where okay. you try to keep right. everybody from getting it, even though it's fast-mutating, even though it's fast-spreading, even though it had an animal reservoir, right? She somehow thought yep. it was AIDS. And the basis upon which she believed this and the title of her book is called Silent Spread. She said mm-hmm. that SARS-CoV-2, compared to other res- respiratory infections of the coronavirus family, had a, an unusually long period of latency. Mm-hmm. And turned you out not the, to be that big a deal. <laughs> that turned out not to be so. That's right. But do you <laughs> right? remember in the early yeah. days uh, of uh, spring of 2020, everybody was screaming about the long period of latency? You know? Yeah. Because asymptomatic say, spread. Asymptomatic spread. Asymptomatic exactly. spread. That's all you heard about. Exactly. Everyone's exactly. a danger. Everyone is, would, everyone's got cooties. Everyone. That's right. <laughs> and they're throwing on, around pseudoscientific numbers. Here we go again. 
14 yep. days. Yep. That was the usual mm-hmm. claim of the latency period of SARS-CoV-2. Mm-hmm. Well, it turns out there's no basis for this uh, whatsoever. It has the same latency as you would get from a normal respiratory infection. You know, mm-hmm. when I was growing mm-hmm. up, the doctor would always say, well, you're asymptomatic for two or three days before, and you're going to have it for two or three days, or maybe a little longer, but two or three days before all your symptoms are gone, you're no longer going to spread it. That's what they used to tell me growing right. up. And yeah. uh, well, that seems more or less to be true for SARS-CoV-2. In any case, there's no evidence. It's closer. It's closer. Yeah. But, but she did get right, though, that this was a more serious illness. See, that's the part we have to reconcile, is that... That the the oh, way yeah. this thing affected people, it, it was it was quite odd, and and uh, it's odd to mm-hmm. me also that she knew that it was not that. Like, what did she know? Where did she, how did she get that information? I what does she know this- about the gain of function stuff? You know, because because that's right. where this is kind of kind of alludes to that, and you you got to yeah. wonder. We we need to get back to the source of this thing to understand what it was and where it came from and how this could happen. Right. And if it really was manipulated by man, then we need to know that. We, we should understand we that. Uh, and, and did they think yeah, it was and, a bioweapon? So, right. And, and so if, if you thought it was a bioweapon, you'd go out there with pretty aggressive stuff too. And so you know, she got right. The And, and by the way, if we're going to go protect people like we did with AIDS, you protect you, you protect the risk population. <laughs> That's what you do. You you go get the people that are at risk and you you yeah. and you isolate the sick. And and we did yeah. that all wrong. We got, got that all wrong and and we have to really well, They look presumed at that. all sorts of things. I think you're right that mm-hmm. look, this is my I'm just guessing because guess what? We don't have access. We don't know yep. what That's actually right. they were know. saying between I'm just going to make some numbers up between the let's just say February 15th and March 16th, 2020. We don't actually know what transpired, who said what to whom. You know, what did, who called Tucker Carlson to tell him to go to Trump? And what did Tucker Carlson tell Trump? And then when Trump went Mm -hmm. back to the White House, what did Burks tell him? You know, who was saying what to, we still don't know. Nobody's talking. Uh, uh, it's all, it's all classified, but I think your, your intuition Mm -hmm. here is correct. My my guess is, Mm -hmm. and again, this is just a guess that, Sometime in late January to early February, Fauci and Farrar both got the word that this had definitely leaked from a, 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 a lab in Wuhan that American taxpayers had supported, that we had this close, tight relationship between the NIH and the Wuhan lab working on gain of function, uh, which is mostly bioweapon research. Well, I think it's entirely bioweapon research, at least that's what all the experts say. And that something had leaked, so they thought that it was a, a kind of bioweapon. And maybe they believed it was a retaliatory, bio-we- a retaliatory bioweapon to respond to Trump's trade war. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So if they believe that, and then Burks brings her knowledge of AIDS, you know, which is that, yeah, the fewer people that get AIDS, the better, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So we have to absolutely minimize infections. Uh and then we have to wait for the antidote, right? The we antidote. have to wait. Yeah, that's yeah, right. We have to wait for the antidote, like in the movies. 
right? Like in yes, the movie. Right. That's right. That's right. It was like in a movie. Or, it's really interesting. Kind of, whatever. What's that other movie with the, with the guy? But anyway, yeah, it's like, oh, now everybody's going to get sick. Whoa, could somebody invent a cure? Somebody invent a cure. And then Pfizer and Moderna are like, we've got the cure right here. Well, you better make it fast. <laughs> well, what if we make a mistake? Don't worry about it. We've got you. <laughs> we'll indemnify you against mm -hmm. damages. <laughs> well, how do we get improved? Well, but, but, You'll get it. You'll get an approval. You just watch. And so they told. Maybe they just told Trump. Look, we've got a bioweapon. We we got to minimize infections. The fewer people that get this, the better. Uh, so that means lockdowns. Yeah. And how long are we going to walk down? Well, we're going to get it. We got the antidote uh, coming because we got these various companies, and you're going to get the they, credit. They for had it. it. They had it locked and loaded and ready to go. That is well established. That they they were un, that that. That model of an mRNA vaccine against the spike protein of coronavirus was already well underway, and they just finished off the job. And I actually think it was a good. I think everything they did was right, given the circumstance of the moment. The odd part is <laughs> rolling forward from there. Once it once it was no longer that big an issue, continuing to mandate and push, and that that's the part that's confusing to me. And and again, yeah, you you got there's a very simple question. In the, why did they focus a vaccine on the pathogenic part of the? Why did they create yeah. a vaccine that produced a protein that is the pathogenic part of the virus, the spike protein? Because yeah. they knew that that was going to be the part that was going to be preserved because it is pathogenic. If you were going to develop a vaccine, you'd do whole virus or you'd do nuclear capsid. You would never do the spike protein. You wouldn't do that. And yeah. that's what they did. And that's what they I've continue to push. And strangely, Covaxin is still available. Covaxin, a whole viral vaccine, is available. You don't hear anything about it. And it's an excellent, it's an excellent uh, vaccine. Never hear about That's it. That's interesting. I've that heard weird? you talk about this. That's I'm, weird. I'm not, I'm not a specialist on this. I mean, my general intuition of this whole thing was that a virus that mutates this quickly and is, is spreads this fast and with new variants all the time, um, that you mm -hmm. cannot back your way out of a pandemic in the middle of such a thing. That, and if you do, um, you'll fail. But also you could risk actually... Um, you know, original antigenic sin, right? I mean, this is the the problem: rewiring the immune system to make people more vulnerable to to other things. And 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 also, we had never had a successful vaccine for a coronavirus ever. So I knew all this going into it. So I was very suspicious uh, of these claims of, of the magic cure is going to come along. And it didn't come along till November. You remember Fauci deliberately delayed mm -hmm. its release till after the election, which I don't understand why that's not a scandal. But anyway, we know for sure he deliberately delayed the vaccine until after the election. And then, and then it came out, and uh, I was startled at, at how quickly it did. But, I, you know, I, I never thought. I, I mean, to me, the, getting, getting COVID was always the solution. I'm not saying you should go out and deliberately get it, although I was not mm -hmm. exactly careful myself. But I had, I had seen the demographics of danger from mid-February 2020, Dr. Drew, that's when we pretty much had the data on who the vulnerable populations were. Um, yeah. So well, we actually uh, do it well before that, too, of course. Really? Oh, yeah. It's obvious. It was right away. It was very clear. But, huh. uh, but okay, debatable. All right. Mid-February. You say February 2020. Of 2020? Yeah. I thought you were saying 2021. No, no, no. Yeah, no. that's about right. I, I, I about think right. we had enough data from mid-February 2020. Yeah. Yeah, uh, to yes, know who the vulnerable populations were, maybe not sure. a month earlier. For sure, 
But but by mid-February, yes. we had enough data, and we could have known yep. uh, who the vulnerable populations were. And the normal strategy under under those conditions is to alert the vulnerable. There's a new pathogen out there, and everybody's going to get it. Yeah. Um, ideally, um, you would you would if if you if you're afraid of it, if this is your choice, if this is something that that concerns you because you have other uh, health issues and things, herd immunity Stay will arise. Put. Uh, yeah. Indemnity, yeah. what we call indemnity, will arrive, and chances are you mm-hmm. can actually avoid it. That that, yeah. I mean, that's a tough. Maybe that's too tough a message, and the American people weren't ready for it or but something. I, but, I, but then we got. Yeah, I, I got to take a break here in a second. But we, we got into this chanting: if no one is saved, you know, if one person's not saved, no one is saved. If there's one death, there's too many. And I'm like, well, first of all, there's more than one. If this, if one death is too many, we're not in a pandemic because that's. Defined by excess deaths. So, so what are, what are we what are we talking about? And then if one person is not safe, no one is safe. And then if you don't adhere to that, you're a bad person. You're you don't care about other people. It's like what what the hell do you? I, it's just the oddest thing. But hold the thought. Hold the thought. They're about to come out of your mouth. We're going to be back with Jeffrey Tucker, Brownstone.org. Right back after uh, the hearing from the people that help us to do this project. So, take pay attention, ladies and gentlemen. It is the Holiday season and our friends at Genucel Skincare want to give you the gift of younger looking skin with their best sale of the year. For the first time ever, get over 60% off our favorite skincare bundles at genucel.com slash Drew. Genucel has so many products that Susan and I love. Genucel's XV Moisturizer. It locks in moisture, making dry spots a thing of the past. It's especially great with the colder weather coming in. And with its immediate effects, Two, you can see these results in as little as 12 hours, guaranteed, or your money back. Susan loves Genucel's Vitamin C Serum and the new Deep Correcting Serum with Lactic Acid. It hydrates your skin while preventing future wrinkles from developing. Take advantage of this amazing holiday savings by going to Genucel.com and getting over 60% off right now. Plus, all orders are upgraded to free shipping for the rest of the holiday season. Use code Drew at checkout for an extra 10% off your entire order. That's genucel.com slash Drew, G-E-N-U-C-E-L dot com slash D-R-E-W. If you're trying to figure out the right present for someone, you will not go wrong with gifting the most comfortable sheets, clothing, and accessories that your friends and family have ever felt. Of course, I'm talking about Cozy Earth. Cozy Earth has the softest and most comfortable sheets, blankets, towels, PJs, joggers, and more guaranteed. Susan and I love them. In fact, we still have cozy earth sheets on our bed. I slept in them last night. I was thinking of how great they were. And look at this. I'm wearing one of their super comfortable t-shirts right now. I don't get, I just can't get enough of cozy earth. Their sheets are durable, machine washable, and come with a 10-year warranty against defects. So no surprise that cozy earth's brand has been featured on Oprah's favorite things for five years in a row. Whether it's their luxury pajamas, super soft bedding, loungewear, or plush bath towels, you will love shopping and gift giving at Cozy Earth. Here's my gift to you this holiday season. Go to CozyEarth.com, enter code DREW to save 40%. That's CozyEarth.com with code DREW. CozyEarth.com, code DREW, save 40%. I think everyone knows the next medical crisis could be just around the corner, whether it comes in the form of another pandemic or something much more routine like a tick bite. You and your family need to be prepared. That's where the wellness company comes in. You know the wellness company. We have their physicians on like Dr. McCullough frequently. The wellness company and their doctors are medical professionals you can trust. 
And their new medical emergency kits are the gold standard when it comes to keeping you safe and healthy. It's really, it's a safety net. It's an insurance policy yeah, absolutely. that you hope you're not going to need, but if you need it, you sure as heck are going to wish you had it if you need it. Be ready for anything. This medical emergency kit contains an assortment of life-saving medications, including ivermectin, z pack The medical emergency kit provides a guidebook to aid in the safe use of all these life-saving medications. From anthrax to tick bites to COVID-19, the wellness company's medical emergency kit is exactly what you need to have on hand to be prepared. Rest assured, knowing that you have emergency antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics on hand to help you and your family stay safe from whatever life throws at you next. Go to drdrew.com slash TWC. That is drdrew.com forward slash TWC to get 10% off today. Just click on that link. We are back with Jeffrey A. Tucker, uh, brownstone.org. Jeffrey, welcome. You, I interrupted you. You had something uh, at the tip of your tongue. Is, is it still there? Oh, gosh. You know, um, no. I do have to, uh, something to, some good news maybe uh, for you. Um, the, the last three days have been, what have, you, what have you called these, holiday weekends, you know, a three-day weekend. Mm -hmm. And I used it to, to mm -hmm. finish up my next book, which is Life After Lockdowns. So I'm oh, covering wow. all these topics that have been whirling around in my head. Because, you know, I wrote um, Liberty of Lockdown in September. I finished it September 2020, if you can believe it. I haven't had mm. a book out since wow. then. So this is this has been a long time, and there's been a lot happening. And there's been so much research. Yes. And 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 I've got a great team of researchers at Brownstone. They're all over this. We've discovered so many things. So I finally decided to put it all together uh, in a book. So that's that's coming soon. Oh, I look forward to it. I can't wait to see it. Uh, we'll yeah. have to as soon as it comes out. Come back here, please. Let's talk about um, it. Yeah, yeah. But it really strikes me. It just I mean, just the folly of the whole period. I'm like hardly no day goes by where I'm not just overwhelmed with the folly of what began in March 2020 and just continued on yeah. and on and on and just the the isolation yeah. that so many of us uh, felt um, for that period mm -hmm. and and to think that it was all the way to October until we got the Great Barrington Declaration out um, when. Um, it was almost complete silence. I mean, it was it was tough in those days, even to get find anybody who mm -hmm. was questioning anything. But the social distancing meant that you couldn't, you know, um, meet up with friends to discuss what was happening. Um, it was it was a strange period. You couldn't have more than ten people in your house for the longest time in many parts of the country. Uh, churches were shut. Yeah. Um, AA meetings were collapsed. You know, bands broke up. Oh yeah organizations and then it became very divisive after that politically divisive oh, yeah. because after oh, yeah. trump was a champion of the lockdowns and then i would say like by july and august he started kind of losing interest in the whole thing and thinking this isn't quite right and and then scott atlas came along to the white house and convinced him basically <laughs> of basic medical facts and and at that point trump just moved on just washed his hands of the thing and didn't want to talk about it which i think was a grave uh, political error because the country was in shambles, mm. you know, by the time November mm -hmm. rolled around. I mean, Sam, I mean, still downtowns are boarded up and people are demoralizing and uh, walking around. And, and then the mask mandates came along and that became a very divisive issue. I never wanted to wear a mask. Mm. I hated it. Um, but mm. I would go into the grocery stores without a mask, hoping to inspire people 
Like, oh, that man's not wearing a mask. Maybe I'll take my mask off too. Thinking I was spreading an emancipatory message had the opposite effect, right? People were mad at me. Put on your mask, you diseased, you diseased bad person. No, you want to kill people. You want to hurt people. You don't care enough about other people to wear this talisman. And so then they wanted to hurt me, right? And so that became crazy. And we thought that was divisive enough. Well, I think, you know, just go back to what you were saying before. You were about to say that the strangest thing about the response from the initial period was the idea that that Mm -hmm. if you follow our protocols, you will not get COVID. And if Mm -hmm. you get it, that will be evidence that you are in some sense not compliant or you're not careful or you're irresponsible and you deserve to be stigmatized and probably denounced. Mm -hmm. And 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 it shows that you're a, a bad person. That was the think, initial. Think about how medieval that is. Think about how I, medieval that is. Right? It's it's incredible. It There's this. I know. Um, I agree. One, one, and, and Instagram. Um, uh, I wrote an article the other day about uh, an Instagram influencer who started a fashion line called something like something navy. And when New York shut down. Um, Doctor, I cannot. It's hard to go back to these times. You cannot even understand what was going on. I know, but no. she got COVID. Okay, this was like in mm-hmm. early April, twenty twenty. She gets COVID, and so she bundles up her family and she goes to a house in upstate New York somewhere, some fancy house that she has, and takes an Instagram mm-hmm. picture of her there. Well. Uh, the times are so bad that people denounced her for it. And and a social media mob went after her. How mm-hmm. dare mm-hmm. you travel in the middle of this pandemic? Yeah. First you get COVID, then you spread COVID all over New York by your traveling. I mean, what? I wasn't even clear what she did wrong. Well, she was so shamed so hard that she actually had to issue this groveling apology I'm sorry. Yeah. I I pledge to take COVID really seriously in the future. I, I'm sorry I got sick. I'm sorry I went with my family to our summer home. That was I was behaved very badly, and from now on I'll do good again. I mean, you read the stories from that time. It's like, what were people thinking? Why were we doing this to people? It was shaming people for getting sick, shaming people for driving somewhere. I mean, it was crazy times. Then the mask came on, and then of course. Nothing compares to the divisiveness of the vax, right? That's what split families, broke up communities, uh, ruined churches. Uh, 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 There was no chance of putting society back together again after that. And then we had this aggressive campaign that came from the Biden administration that all the unvaccinated people are prolonging the pandemic. The sense This is a pandemic of the of the unvaccinated. That's pandemic what they said, of and the they unvaccinated. They were issuing yes. fake science to back this up, and it was all fake. You know, we yeah. didn't have yeah. to go into it, but yeah. it was all fake science. And it was amazing because will that be in your uh, book? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I cover good. all this stuff. Good. I, I cover yeah, all good. this stuff. But 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 to say that uh the unvaccinated were were causing everybody else to suffer, it was a revival of early medieval uh, practice, which yeah. in those days yeah. we had a thing that we called the flagellants, 
I don't know if you've ever heard of them. Mm -hmm. The flagellants were an interesting crowd because when the plague would come along, the theory was Mm -hmm. that the plague was punishment by God for our sins. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. this was because people weren't going to confession enough. They were doing bad things. They were partying, having fun, and God finally got Mm -hmm. sick of it and said a plague. So the flagellants... Um, were a, a group of, of deeply religious uh, penitents that would travel mm-hmm. from town to town in, in wearing sackcloth and ashes and sad clothes, and like in the mm-hmm. Monty Python skit. That, they were, they were a real thing. So why, but here's mm-hmm. the question. Why did they travel? Why did they go from town to town, and why did they always go to the center of the town? Well, the reason was to shame everybody else. And their message was, was their message was, I am having to suffer because of your sins, because you're sinful <laughs> and imp- impious. Um, I am having to go through this ridiculous, uh, this ridiculous thing of punishing myself constantly and suffering. I'm suffering on your behalf. That's what the flagellants did. Yep. They believed that their suffering was imposed yeah. upon them by everybody else's parties and fun and commerce and normal life. Dr. Well, Drew, then, we came then, very then close to replicating that. Very close. I, I, I know. I, I, was, I was aware of it at the time. I, it looked so familiar to me. I, I, and, and, you know, and they went after, back in those days, they went after the prostitutes and prosecuted them for bringing it in. And, uh, or they went after people that earned too much money. Anybody that invoked any kind of envy or un, un, uh, uncleanliness, you had to, you had to destroy them. And it, yeah, it, look, there's the oh, there, there you go. <laughs> we there's have a picture. picture yeah. There yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah. if yes, you were dancing yeah. or you know going about your business like life is normal, the flagellants were showed up to make you make it clear that your fun was coming at their expense and they're suffering. They're yeah. having to suffer an extra amount because of what you're doing. I mean, we've reproduced this almost to a T, uh, <laughs> and, and we seem to have we time. seem to have no awareness in this country of the historical sort of um, phenomenology that repeats around these of these particular kinds of events. And I, people are hearing me talk about this to, probably till I'm they're sick of me talking about it lately. But I've been really digging into the French lately. I happen to be studying their language, and I started listening to academic lectures about. Uh, well, first of all, I, when we were in France about a year and a half ago, I was struck by the youth who were in the streets campaigning, you know, demonstrating against vaccine mandates. And they were very explicit. But this was a country built on liberty. This is not an expression of liberty. We, you've told us we are young, we're not at risk, and now you're going to force us to get a vaccine? No. And I thought, oh, something is going on here. This is interesting. And it's young people. While at the same time, at that period of the pandemic— this country's young people was asking for more mandates, more masking in college, more vaccines. It was so bizarre and odd. And so I thought, wow, this is yeah, something yeah. going on. And the other thing that started yeah. to happen over there, because uh, I'm listening to them very carefully, I, I just feel like there is something there that is the beginning of something. And that something is something likely to grow that they're looking at their history that has had a very, what they call it the black myth or something of Napoleon and Robespierre and Danton. And they're going, now, wait a minute. 
this was our history, and these guys were not all bad. They, they did some, there were some bad things that happened, but we need to embrace our history and be French. And enough of this dilution of who we are, we are done. And we are re-embracing re Napoleon in particular, which is a very odd thing for them to do. And they're, they're like, this guy, you know, there's some things that happened. And really, it was the British that made him look so bad. And any, the point is, their, their identity, their culture, their, their dedication to liberty is really coming on. I don't know. I think there's something happening there. Yeah, it is interesting. Yeah, I don't... I don't know if I'm seeing that so much here. At least I'm not seeing much evidence. No, no, there's none of it here. None of it here yet. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, and, the, I, it's, and it's, go ahead. Well, part of the problem was that prior uh, to, the, to the pandemic hysteria, uh, you had a whole generation or two or three that had really lacked meaningful, you know, the, what we call meaningful lives or a sense of, of mission mm. and meaning in their lives. Mm. And and mm -hmm. so when you had when you had this sort of dramatic thing come along, that seemed to be life threatening with a series of wild protocols from, you know, don't don't dance and and drink mm -hmm. and douse yourself with hand sanitizer and here's your special mask to wear and here's your <laughs> special shot to get. It was like it was like <laughs> a, a religious experience for many of these people. Uh, literally, the first thing that had ever really happened. Um, to a whole generation of kids that have been raised on Instagram and then TikTok, and and their lives are boring and prosperous, and this was exciting. It was a chance to to suffer, mm. um, uh, mm. to do something meaningful, um, to browbeat others, to throw themselves into some big cultural war, and yeah, it was really tragic. I mean, at least in my experience, the people who were most fanatically attached to all the COVID protocols were the under thirties. They were the people that were. All yeah. into it. And you remember the earliest press conferences of Dr. Burks. You remember, I think even from March 16th, 2020, she made a special appeal to the young. Join me in these mm. efforts. It's going to be up to you to convince your parents. It's really up to the Oh, young my God. People. It's a Hitler youth. Yeah, that's what she said. That's what she said on March, March 16th, 2020, that initial lockdown press conference. Report and report the unclean. Report them. Yeah. Oh, my God. She made a report them. It is, you, you, I, I get, I, I, there's, a there's a certain feeling I had during the whole, that, like, two years. You know, California, you got to remember, we blocked down for two years. There, there was a refusal to open the schools, refusal to do anything. And we had, the, in this county, in L.A. County, we had this, yellow, red, green uh, scale that we had to achieve in order to be released oh. from our lockdown. And the green, yeah. the green, I wish I had saved or I probably took pictures of it somewhere. The green category was literally we would not be there right now. There's too much COVID around for us to be. We, 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 it was a zero COVID policy very clearly. And I, I kept saying, yeah, we're never you know, the, getting out of this thing if we continue to follow this. Right, and the data was fake, probably, or at least contingent highly on on, on testing, right? Um, which we all assumed, boy, have we learned, haven't we learned? I've learned a lot. Early on, I believed all these charts that I was seeing online. I said, what a great time mm -hmm. to be alive when we can see the whole progress of a disease. Oh, it's there. Oh, now it's gone. Oh, now it's popped up somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Well, I didn't realize mm -hmm. um, a lot of this our world and data stuff uh, uh, that we used to, uh, 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 a website that was funded by FTX, by the way. Um, but that oh, our world and data, 
yeah, was was all you know based on the collection, which in turn was contingent upon testing, which in turn was dependent upon the accuracy of the PCR tests. So, what was that you know, we, website called? The COVID. Um, uh, remember, you oh, used yeah. to go to it every day, and yeah. read the charts. Yeah, yeah. Was, I was uh, thought it was getting gosh. some picture of reality. And looking back at it, it's like, what? I mean, COVID's probably spreading yeah. from October t- 2019, you know, but we didn't see that in the data. And so, you know, when Trump was panicked, like, oh, no, we're getting more cases. Well, maybe we weren't getting more cases. Maybe, the, maybe we just had better testing. You know, we just don't actually know these things. Um, but, yeah, I believed all that. So I'll tell you something else that's interesting about the, your, your little color scheme. They used it in New York, too. But you know what? Mm. It's very interesting to me about this. It was L.A. County's thing, uh, Caleb. It was not the state. It was L.A. County deal. Uh, state LA had their County. own thing. But go ahead. Go yeah, ahead, yeah. Jeffrey. Yeah. Well, one of the things that's interesting, Dr. Drew, is remember um, sometime in mid, mid-April of 2020, Trump was sick of it. It was like, look, this is just mm-hmm. really good. We really need to start thinking about reopening. You're right. He talked about Easter. Um, but he was really you know, thinking, look, we, we really need to open up. And Jared mm-hmm. Kushner comes up to comes up to Trump and said, look, it's a huge mistake for you just to say, oh, open everything, let's end the emergency, go on with like that is a huge mistake. Because we've got, mm. now we've got, look, we've got science behind us. We have a reopening plan. And you have mm. to follow the plan. That way we can reopen safely. Mm. And it's like, oh, yeah. What is it? Well, I have an article about this, um, this the chapter in my book about it. About the, I call it something like the reopening racket, something like that. But it's so convoluted. You have to go, I can't remember the exact details, but it was something like, well, you have to be 14 days with right. um, with 80% testing, yep. with a 20% decline that hasn't changed. Right, moment. we had stuff like that. You had like to meet that. like four, yep. four or five conditions. And, and yep. the strange thing about those conditions is that it wasn't as if you qualify for the for the conditions one time and then you're open. Then oh, life's normal. Right. That wasn't no. it at all. You go back. It was it was it was that yeah, is that it, the conditions could change at any moment, right? So suddenly and, and let's be clear. Let's be clear. You say there's science behind it. It was all made up. It was completely out of thin air. It, it was. was it was brought to us by the people that brought the six feet distancing. Nonsense that was also pulled out of thin air. This is not science. It's astonishing. The reopening plan was designed to mollify Trump's desire. I mean, it was very clever, right? Oh, we're we're opening, Mr. President. We are opening. No, but we're doing it scientifically. Um, Okay. (sighs) Well... It was, a, it was a strategy to keep it, to keep him, keep him uh, buying into the lockdown stuff. So he shut up about it, and it worked, right? For another thirty days, another thirty days, mm. and another thirty days, and so on it went. But that was a scam from the very beginning. And same with the license, you, mm. what you call LA County. It wasn't as if you can, you, you, you're in a green zone, so now you can just go about your life. No, at any moment. You no. could have what they called in Australia. Remember what they called in Australia? Flash lockdowns. Remember that phrase? So yeah, you're you're paying attention to the news. Suddenly it's like lockdown. Oh, we're back in a green zone. Okay, go about your normal business, but be careful and wear a mask, and only if you're vaccinated. Right? <laughs> it went on for you know two years, three years. Unbelievable. And 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 it seems like so few of our particularly federal representatives are really going after this. I mean, Rand Paul still has oh. it in his craw, I guess, and a few others, but. 
It, yeah. It, it, and I, I always worry when they get too focused on retribution and consequence and all that stuff because, of course, people yeah. are then going to defend themselves to the absolute highest. <laughs> They're going to absolutely prevent anything from, from just like you were in a court of law right. where you were being threatened with some terrible consequence. You defend yourself. That's no, right. no more defense. Let's just look at what happened. Right. Let's just examine well, it. Let's That's just all. find out. Let's just find out who knew mm. what, when, and who said what to whom, and who mm-hmm. made all these plans, and how do they get approved? And and uh, do they ever worry that maybe this was contrary to the Bill of Rights? It would be just nice to know. This would be such a moment of national healing. Right. Yeah. And this is yeah. important. And, you know, Dr. Rube, we were talking earlier about how people are not talking about this anymore. Like, you don't hear about it in the, you know, national media. The candidates are not mm-hmm. debating the COVID response in mm-hmm. their debates and things like that. But I tell you what, and you've probably been through this too. Anytime I meet with people, even people I just only recently met, and we have 10, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, a lunch, and the topic mm-hmm. comes up, people have such tragic stories. People are seriously still thinking about this. How did this happen to this country? Look what it did to my family. I, my friend owned a business who was successful. It went out of business. People are still hurting from this. Uh, deep hurt. But they also, they also, I agree with that 100%. And also they are uh, prone to getting into these bizarre conflicts where everyone's I feel, I literally am aware of it as feeling my abdominal muscles tighten up but when I, it's right it's right here when we get into it and I just watched it with Bill Maher and his good friend Seth MacFarlane oh, they started getting yeah. into a conversation about vaccine that was an interesting are, conversation but those are guys that admire each other who are good friends and it just yeah. became that thing again there it was yeah. and I thought oh man that we, just, we can't even talk about this and part of the reason we can't talk about it is that there's been too much silence and hasn't been talked about it. So I agree with you, and I think you make an excellent point I hadn't entirely thought of, that the Nuremberg 2.0 people are actually creating conditions to cause even more silence because the more penalties oh, of are course. for speaking the truth. It's guillotines again. It's gu- uh, guillotines. Yeah. So put the guillotines right. away, everybody. I, yeah. I, I predicted them. They came. It's a narcissistic impulse to scapegoat and yeah. to bring oh, yeah. out more and more and more. The parallel economy has empowered us to care for our health, well-being, as well as longevity. Likewise, for us pet parents who now have a place to go when it comes to keeping the family dogs, cats, even horses in the best shape possible. As a dog dad, I'm thrilled to be working with Pet Club 24-7, a company founded by two guys who lost dogs to serious conditions, including cancer. Pet Club 24-7 has an incredible array of products, including a line of supplements for humans, such as the Inforce Plus Corollius Versicolor and Inforce Corollius Versicolor with Reishi. My friend and colleague, Christina Ferrari, a cancer survivor herself, swears by it. When I was diagnosed, the doctor in the emergency room told me, you have two years to live. Oh, boy. Along with the stem cell, I took these. I have been in remission for eight years now. For dogs, mush puppy treats are a fan favorite. Rex, oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> you came right. 
Oh, there he is. They are also made with the Coriolis versicolor mushroom, which supports their immune system, according to hundreds of clinical studies. Here's Kristen Ludlow, National Vice President. That strain does matter. We do have the most potent strain, and we also extract it in a proprietary way. And that's why we've been having such wonderful experiences with these products. Mush puppies are made here in the U.S. There are no fillers. It's non-addicting. Your dog can't accidentally overdose. Go to drdrew.com slash petclub247 for a discount off the list price. That is drdrew.com, P-E-T-C-L-U-B-247, petclub247. But, you yeah, know, Fauci I get back is, to the French. Look at their history, man. Look at their history. Yeah. It was a terrible, terrible, terrible mistake. But you're, you're right. Uh, Fauci has been, there is a House committee on the COVID response that is ongoing. And now they're coming back into session and they are bringing Fauci in in two weeks. He will testify again, mm. in particular on mm. all sorts of issues about you know, what that paper that came out in, what is it, February 2nd? Nature. Or, yeah. Mm. Uh, the so Nature article? The initial draft was produced by February 4th, I think, 2020. Um, it was, it like was a, a letter. It days. was a letter to Nature. I, I've read it carefully. It was good. It actually was good. If you really read it, it's very compelling. It's very good. I've listened to then podcast about various authors, uh, lead authors in that group who mm -hmm. talked about the experience of bringing it forward. They, they'd convince themselves. They, it was not a lie and they, they were not coerced and it was an argument. It, like, that's science. That's science, everybody. It was an opinion. You're, ta you're talking that's about fine. the initial it, one de denying the lab leak? You're talking about that paper? The the one that really came the one that really supported the animal the the wet market yeah. source yeah um, yeah that was the, it, February, it, it was yeah. it was it was good it was a little oddly fast but it was not an article it was a letter you know and those can be done quickly and ah. and, uh, and and it was fine I have no problem with that but then to condemn the reexamination and to look at I alternative see. explanations that's right. the part that is the problem that's the yeah. non science part. I That's see. the yeah, disgusting right. no, part. And by the way, they're, um, and they're undoubtedly, you know, the Chinese Communist Party has a Department of Cognitive Defense. They have a brainwashing department that they can, that is part of their military. And trust me, mm -hmm. they were hard at work during all this. And if you listen to your, look at what you, anybody out there, if you behaved in the following way, silencing anybody who brought up the examination of the lab leak theory, you silence him. You were doing the work of the Chinese Communist Party. They yeah. were the ones whipping that into a frenzy and you fell for it. You were brainwashed. Look at what you did. That's yeah. those are the people that I want to really examine themselves. Fascinating, yeah. Well, we may mm. we may find out more. Uh, look, we're not going to find out the full truth from from Fauci on uh, in two weeks. We won't, but we will get some more clues of where else to look. Um, for me, this is like this whole thing has been like an Agatha Christie novel that never ends. <laughs> right. Right. Evermore. Right. Chapter four hundred and fifty. Yeah. And to that extent, it's it's been in, intriguing. But um, I think I have a, a sense of what happened, but I can't. I just can't verify it. Uh, but I can't also. Uh, I can't. I'm just obsessively gathering uh, data and information. Uh, on things and and tweeting it out as much as I possibly can and sharing it with all my colleagues. Well, but we started. We. We started this conversation on data, and, and you're right. The story is sort of unfolding and being told, and the, the people yeah. who were hurt by this and harmed by this are the ones that are still carrying the 
the sword forward and see themselves as, you know, courageous. And I, you know, you had another article on the hero journey uh, just today or a couple of days yeah. ago. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's an important thing for people to remember the yeah. purpose and, yeah. you know, be your own hero. Jordan Peterson used to talk about oh, this yeah. and, uh, and really uh, get, get back to the basics of why we're here and what good work is and what you should be doing. I, I, you know, both you and I are doing this thing. We're talking about this topic. I, I didn't, it's what I expect to be doing right now in the beginning of 2024 at all, but it's, we're doing it because it's important. And we really, I, I can't imagine not doing it. And think about all the issues that are impacted by this COVID yeah. response. Yeah. I mean, so we've yeah. got the inflation you know, a problem. We've got a, a loss of confidence in our institutions, whether it's academia or media or science in, in general, to say nothing of government. Uh, the learning losses are uh, continuing to increase. Horrible. We initially thought it was one year. Terrible. Turns out it's two years. Turns out it's three years, four years. Mm. We've got the excess uh, deaths. We've got uh, sub substance. Predictable. Uh, substance abuse problems, uh, uh, mm -hmm. which we all uh, know. We've got uh, dramatic declines in, in public health. I mean, the obesity rates are going through the mm -hmm. roof. Um, uh, mm -hmm. People had put on 20, 25 pounds, and now people are getting addicted. You know, we've got another round of pharmaceuticals that people are taking popping pills to lose the weight, which is fine. You know, listeners do that. That's, that's what you want to do. Okay, I have plenty of friends doing that. But the, just the crisis, the cultural crisis, the economic crisis, the education, and just the loss of trust. That's the thing that um, I never knew or understood what it would be like to live in a world in which there was such a loss of trust in all of our basic institutions. All of this was kicked off by the COVID response. And, and, yeah. and every bit of it. Traces to that. And I checked my intuition. And, and, and with yet? Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, yeah, I was, I was saying, say, yet it's I talk, justified. I, I, I talk to people all the time. They're like, am I right that it was the COVID response that kicked all this off? And they'll say, yep, mm. that's, exactly, that's exactly what happened. My mind goes back well, to uh, an article in the Wall Street Journal written by, of all people, Henry Kissinger. Um, and I think mm. it was, I'm going to just put a date on it, of March 20, uh, 2020. Mm. When he said, he said, the world will never be the same after this, because he mm -hmm. saw everything that was unfolding. And he says at the end, governments better get this right, or else we're going to discover at the end of it that the world is on fire. Mm. That's what he said. Well, wow. that's the problem. The world is on fire. The world is on fire. Mm. He was right. He was exactly right mm. about this. That's why we need to talk about well, it. I, That's I, why we need truth. There, 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 is a, there is a flip side to that, which is to say that the skepticism now is well-earned and appropriate, and maybe it's good that we are more aware of these things and we can work to correct yeah. them. And uh, may, maybe let the fire be a, a little kindling, a little smoldering, rather than a conflagration. That's a good way to yeah. look through it. Look at it. You know, we've all made it this far. Um, yeah. And I would say that 2023 was a year of kind of putting the pieces back together for all of us mm. um, and mm -hmm. coming to terms with our new reality or our new views on things. I don't know anybody who has the same view of 
lots of things, you know, politics yeah, in particular, that's right. but philosophy or yeah. ideology. You know, we've all we've all mm -hmm. changed uh, throughout the course of the last uh, three three years, and um, so I that agree. was last and, year. And with the with yeah, and what's and your prescript prescription for going forward? Do, so do you have I think a do you have a twenty twenty four has to be the year of stabilizing and settling into the new us. Uh, coming to mm. terms with uh, what it's like to without not his, without hysteria, on. yeah, without hysteria, come to terms with what it's like yeah. to live in a world without trustworthy institutions, but still finding our way towards living a good, beautiful, productive, happy life uh, that where we strive to uh, serve ourselves and serve others in a traditional way, you know, and rekindling. Mm. Virtue, um, um, good civilized norms, um, um, basic moral principles, heroism in our own lives. That I hope that that is what 2024 will be about. I know in my own life that's the way I look at it. So may, may that be true for everyone. And, and, and certainly if you look at every great epic poem or piece of literature from certainly ancient world, uh, you find some something like that in there, which is… Uh, Voltaire, Voltaire put it down to cultivate your own garden. And Gilgamesh said, go back and be the king and serve your community humbly. And the, it's always something about being of service and building a life and making purpose and having a good life, not a life free of disease or never is soiled in any way. Or I mean, this is this safety Uber Alice thing has got to be, that is not heroism. That's not courageous. That's the opposite. Yeah. We need to be go forward realizing we are biological entities. We take reasonable risks. We don't hurt each other, but that, the, that we should expect as biological agents, shit will go down in some fashion at some point in each of our lives. Yeah. And that's, we'll do the best we can to mitigate that, but that's how it works. In the meantime, about leading a good life is, is look, do you think Jesus was happy at the end of his life? You know what I mean? But he lived, he lived a good life. Did you think he didn't suffer? No, he suffered, but led a good life. And so a good life is offering a, often a life that requires a little bit of sacrifice or, or some discomfort at some point in, for all of us. You know, there's one other point. I'll let you say the last word. Well, yeah. during the last three years, we've also found not just a loss of trust in these big institutions, but we've found people and institutions and communities that we do trust, actually, that have earned our trust. And you yes. know this. Everybody knows this. We've yes. put together new yes. communities. I know we started a separate club um, Brownstone Separate Club uh, a couple of years ago, and now these people are so close, so tight. It's funny we meet yeah. monthly, and wow, they're you know just just you know at five thirty when 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 people start gathering, it's just a wild exuberance of happiness and smiles and love in that room um, because we all went through this together. So we have found uh, new communities of of trust. And maybe that's maybe that's good. You know, these are forged and and, and, par and parallel economies. Par you know, people are tired of being buying things and, and having being served by people that either don't like them or disdain them or question. Yeah, yeah fine. Then we we but again, you got to have the freedom to be able to do that. So pay attention to that. Pay attention. It's not. It doesn't come automatically. So, so well, Jeffrey, thank you so much. Uh, Brownstone.org. Go go sign up. Get the get the publications at Epic Times. Also, we can find you there. Right. That's also where you are every day. Every day, okay. right there.
And uh, I want to hear more about these these meetings in New York. I'd love to bear witness to some of that one one day. So <laughs> well, we can that talk, Doctor Drew. You would be a great star, so, that's for sure. It'd be very interesting. All right, Jeffrey Tucker, thank you so much, and hopefully I'll see you very soon. Such a pleasure. Thank you, Doctor Drew. Cheers. Uh, and for the rest of you, we are coming up tomorrow. Uh, I know Jim Brewer got rescheduled. I think Sean Baker may be coming in. Yeah, instead. He was I'm, supposed to come today. I'm so but. happy for 2024. We can look back at all this crap and maybe not do it again. <laughs> that certainly, we got to get Susan on that camera. I don't look so good right now. But <laughs> <you can. laughs> okay. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> all right. I disagree. I don't know, Brian. You know, I'm sitting here. Yeah, you know, it's I, really, uh, that's desperate times. <laughs> uh, it's all coming. I know you like to show me off. Kill me tomorrow. Uh, and then uh, Sean Baker, I think, on the 4th. Uh, Roseanne on the 10th. Dr. Paul Alexander, the 11th. Uh, Emily Barr's been hard at work scheduling she all is, the She is. She's working her yeah. bones, and, fingers uh, to the bones. Again, uh, a shout out to all the people that make it possible to do this show. Please listen to these. DrDrew.com slash sponsors has yep. all the links yep. for our sponsors. Buy something. Yeah, we appreciate it. But speaking of parallel economies, yeah, it keeps the boat afloat. We appreciate it very much. The bone broth's amazing. I had it today. And we you know, have when, when I heard that ad about, it, I was thinking I, I should have taken. I didn't have it today, and I, I miss it. It really is a, it's I a great product. It I did. I had it. Such a great product. Uh, okay, but uh, again, more to come. Uh, we have more coming. By the way, with uh, the Wellness Company, I have some really, really interesting things to empower patients. I, I am very excited. You don't even know about this stuff yet. Very excited. Foreplay too on Rumble says, "I love you, Doctor Drew." Thank you, Foreplay. Uh, Kevin McKernan. I don't know who that is. Jeff or? said you. I bet you look beautiful, Susan. I love you, Jeff. Yes. This, I look oh, good on does. the radio. She does. No, no, no. No, no, no. She has very high standards, though. Uh, okay, everybody. Well, it's great to be here in 2024. I, uh, Jeffrey did not disappoint. I thought that was a really interesting way to kind of kick things off and uh, get the year going a little bit. Um, other- is it me or does it feel like the world, except for the poor people in Japan that had that big earthquake, mm. everything is sort of, everybody's kind of uplifted and ready for change or... I feel like people are done with a lot of stuff. They're really frustrated and done and want to find something more. I feel like it's something more um, compelling. Like they want, they want to be excited about life and the country they live in and the, their jobs they're doing. It that people are looking for traction. It's sort of like it feels like. I mean, that. I feel like we have more offers for sponsors. People feel like they have more cash flow, and they're like. Well, uh, it, maybe it is the economy. Maybe that's a lot of it too. Because if that really starts to go, I think people. Will feel and then the, maybe better. the the um um the there's something happened in the economy where the home prices are. I don't know. The interest rates weren't going up or something, and got us a little excited. May. Maybe. Uh, back to Kevin McKiernan. We have requested him, but he didn't get back to us. If anybody else has a, a contact or can help us with that, reach out to him. We'll be happy we'll talk to him. I think She's I'm, booked way into February. So. I, I know, I know, but we, we got a whole year to do here. Uh, so, uh, all right. In any event, uh, we appreciate you all being here. We appreciate you being part of this little community. Uh, do tell a friend. Um, <laughs> Oh boy, Emily Barr's just going is, what, is, uh, Emily? speculating that things aren't going to be all great, but uh, let, let's stay positive. Oh, for oh God, one day. Emily, come uh, on. And uh, thank you all. Happy New Year, everybody. And we will see you tomorrow at 3 o'clock Pacific time. Ta-ta. Ask Dr. Drew is produced by Caleb Nation and Susan Pinsky. As a reminder, the discussions here are not a substitute for medical care, diagnosis, or treatment. This show is intended for educational and informational purposes only. 
I am a licensed physician, but I am not a replacement for your personal doctor and I am not practicing medicine here. Always remember that our understanding of medicine and science is constantly evolving. Though my opinion is based on the information that is available to me today, some of the contents of this show could be outdated in the future. Be sure to check with trusted resources in case any of the information has been updated since this was published. If you or someone you know is in immediate danger, don't call me, call 911. If you're feeling hopeless or suicidal, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255. You can find more of my recommended organizations and helpful resources at drdrew.com help. 